Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from. Put your dead son in the cemetery. It's him or carry. Be very afraid. You'll be our number one I'm fan and one get day. carried away. All working, no play, you know it. Always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every nards? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Welcome to Head Cannon. Tonight we have a couple very special guests, and we're down a co-host. Uh, we this is our first episode where we we've kicked Brent off the show. He's gone forever now, and uh, and and we have uh, Mr. J.R. McIntyre and Mike Jeffers with us of A Star Is Born or A Star Is Lorn rather. Uh, a great podcast you guys should check out. Uh, gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Uh, good, good. So, Brent finally decided to have that procedure done, huh? Yeah, yeah, he did. He's getting he's getting a uh, a third eye put in, which was weird. I told him it was unnecessary, but... I told him the yoga class was a gateway. No, I appreciate you jumping in, though, Mike. Brett, Brett had a uh, a dinner that he had to go to tonight, and he didn't realize it till the last minute. So he had to. Mike is out. eating his dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you eating, Mike? What do you got there? <laughs> and I'm done. I'm done. You hear that, Brent? Can you hear that? Because I know you're listening. Later. Yeah, Mike, Mike. Mike ate his dinner and spent time with us. Yeah, yeah. This isn't even my podcast. Yeah, Mike can multitask. You know, the podfathers and everybody one episode at a time. Yeah. Brent, Brent really should have. Uh, I don't. I don't know where where he's having dinner with his wife and his in laws, but he should have just done the podcast from from Olive Garden or wherever they're at. You know, just just pulled his phone up and just done it right from the table there. Yeah, I'm sure they've all seen. Uh, Are you guys call the place? <laughs> am Am I cutting out, Jr. Am I cutting out, or is it Mike cutting out? Um, nobody's cutting out too much for me. Okay. Okay. But so well, is what, that a Michael Myers joke? Yeah. Cutting out? Are we getting cut and sliced already? Cut it already. out. <laughs> uh, so what have uh, you guys been up to? You I'll tell you what, that, that Rob Zombie version could use a little uh, cutting out. You know, Color correction. Long. I, I don't think, I don't, I've seen all the Halloween movies, I think, except for the Rob Zombie movies. I don't know that I ever saw those. I don't think I checked those out. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're really dark. Um, like almost you can't see in some, like some parts that was kind of one of the, and that trend kind of carried on through other color correction in movies where they just didn't care about lighting 
with some with some stuff, which makes sense. You're in the dark. You're in the woods. I get it. It's kind of silly if you go back and watch some of those early Friday the 13th and even some of the Halloween remakes and they're in the complete dark woods and it's like well lit, <laughs> you know? which is silly. I understand. But this there it is unapologetically like you cannot see there are things that aren't visible at turn or certain times, which, you know, you don't want to see Mike Myers face. So some of it's strategic. I understand there are parts I really liked about Rob Zombies, but overall, and the fact that John Carpenter hated him, you know, I just can't, you know, when the guy that makes the original says it's shit, it's kind of hard to like it. You know, They're dark up until the very end of the second one, when it becomes this, ridiculous dream sequence and everything is like really bright and colorful and like grease paint and clown mm-hmm. colors and shit it, it turns into like a uh it turns into like a white zombie music video yeah it's fever dream for sure yeah. Whoa, and it's it's and it's ridiculous yeah because the idea in his is and we don't i don't know if we're jumping around here but the idea mm-hmm. in rob zombies one is that it's more like jason like he, he, his mom tells him to do things and he sees his mom and he hears voices and that's what kind of drives him is his this like spirit these like weird fever dream type of things that he's seeing in his mind that i mean i guess you could attribute it to hallucinatory things person with mental illness has but like that's at the end the whole the end of that second one the part mike stark and talking about there's this whole like reality and his dream hits together they hit you know they they collide and you don't know what's real and what's not there's like a helicopter police helicopter but then you think like something's grabbing his mom from the heavens and it's just all this kind of weird mix and not really what the others are about at all (laughs) i mean that that sounds interesting i haven't seen i don't know what the execution looks like but that I, i like the idea sounds cool but yeah, I like the I like the adult I like the story of the kid and the adult Michael Myers in the Rob Zombie. Of course, he made a cool micro, Michael Myers, but yeah. it just wasn't enough to hold it. Like the little kid they got to play him was great. Um, the the whole WWF t- style, like him just being a, a behemoth, you know, and being this huge guy with mental illness that is just scary and seeing and hearing things like. And it could would walk miles. There's scenes where they show showing him like walk miles through fields to get to Haddonfield. It's not like he just shows up there. So it was gritty in that way. But overall, and, and another thing I'll say about zombies, he got the um, female actress that is in like four, five, and six that plays the little kid. Um, he got her as an adult to play a oh, pretty really? pivotal character. Which was cool because she hadn't been anywhere since those movies. Is that, but even is that, again, he threw all that at the wall, and it's still they're not really that great. Yeah, and that I think the girl you're talking about was she also in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead? Is that... Yeah, she's one of the sisters. Which okay, a great, great, great movie, good pull. Yeah, yeah, no, that movie's awesome. <laughs> I wish I knew her name. I should know her name. That's that's silly of me to not know the actress's name, but she's a huge part, and I believe don't. Don't quote me, but I believe four, five, and six, maybe. She's yeah, I think, is it Danielle Harris? Is that her name? Probably. I don't know. Yeah, D- Danielle Harris. Yeah, because I think, yeah, so every, for everybody listening, we're talking mostly about the original John Carpenter's 1978's Halloween. Um, not anymore. Not... Now we're talking all Rob Zombie. <laughs> all Rob Zombie all the time. For, for a whole 90 minutes. Now there's a Rob Zombie. This is a half a cinch camouflage episode. We're talking 
1972 White Zombies Super Beast. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That made me think of uh, which I don't maybe maybe somewhere in the back of my mind. I know that Rob Zombie had something to do with this, but I don't remember. But it reminds me of that the scene in Beavis and Butthead Do America, where they're like in the desert and they're just fucking. I, what I, they eat like mescaline or something. I don't know, but they're like tripping out, and there's that weird dream cartoon sequence and. In Beavis yeah, and I think that is. I think that is zombie. Zombie. Okay. Sure. It's a. I think it's a Rob Zombie song too. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, there's yeah. a link in my head there, but it's that famous artist that did, did all the Rat Dog stuff and all the Hot Rod old flyers and stuff. It's that artist that does a lot of it, but I believe it's a Rob Zombie song. So, okay, nice, nice. Yeah, and the thing that's interesting, and Britt and I have talked about this before, because we've done a lot of John Carpenter, and actually I think the next two episodes we're recording after this are both John Carpenter movies also. Um, so there's going to be a lot of John Carpenter talk uh, for headcanon. But but Halloween is interesting, because like, the fact that there's like part one and two, you can basically, there's like three or four Halloween timelines you can watch, right? You can watch like... Like, 3 is a movie all by itself. Like, I don't think it really has anything to do with the rest of the franchise. And then, so you can watch 1, 2, 4, 5, 6, and that's kind of where... And I think, does Jamie Lee Curtis's character die between two... Like, 4, 5, and 6, she's dead, right? I think. I believe, yeah. I believe so. And then... But then they brought her back, so then there's, like... You could also watch 1, 2... And then Halloween H2O, and then Halloween, what was the other one, Resurrection or something? Yeah, Resurrection. But I believe, didn't she have a different name in H2O? And that's kind of supposed to explain that she didn't really die 4, 5, and 6. She had just changed her name and to try to hide from him. Oh, okay. Because her kid isn't like Johnny Strode or whatever, right. <laughs> you know, whoever that heart neck guy plays. Right. Um, and actually it's funny you said that three being on its own, two of the main characters from three are actually in either H2O or resurrection. So they kind of brought them back into the Michael Myers world that they never existed in, which is pretty funny. Huh. That's so weird. You want to get real Halloween franchise nerdy. I, that's the kind of weird stuff I know about the franchise. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like the sheriff because you know, Halloween three is all about these masks. These kids wear to make some killers and there's like a sheriff and a mom character. I believe they're both be kind of be actors, and uh, they brought them back for again. Don't quote me either. H. I believe it's Resurrection. It's the Buster Rhymes one. Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I like. Uh, man, it's been so long since I've seen three, but I know that the the original Halloween mask is like a William Shatner mask, right? It's like supposed to. Yep. So I like. I, I wish in three they had. They had done like the full cast of uh like they did a haunted William Shatner mask and then a haunted Leonard Nimoy mask and then they get bones and or her and so and then it's just like the cast of the original Star Wars, but they're all just <laughs> they're just wearing haunted masks. Oh shit, did you say Star Wars? Oh shit, Star Trek. Oh Whatever. no. You know we'll, we're recording this right after May the May the fourth, so We've got Star Wars Nerd, on the brain. The nerds are coming for you. No, <laughs> no. that's I, I heard da- Data was like real close. They were going next gen even. So like Data was a real close. Like even in seventy two, he was about to be <laughs> the next pick. No, there was some stuff on on a documentary I watched about like all the different masks. They they did try multiple masks, but the ones that were obvious weren't scary. Mm. So then when they painted that William Shatner one, that's when it made it just like oh. You know, it kind of reminds me of the. Um, 
I don't know why I bring this up, but you know, they talk about the origin of Slipknot, why they wore masks. Like the dude, the clown guy just showed up for, to practice with it one day and oh, had it really? on. And they're all like, that is fucking creepy. And that's kind of what the that Shatner mask did. As soon as they painted it up and the guy put it on, people are like, shit, that's it. You know? <laughs> it's so simple, too. Like just the yeah. mask and, and we see how he gets it. We see where he gets the mask and how he gets it and finds it. Even though it's a modified mask, he finds it on the shelf in a Halloween store and puts it on. But the black coveralls, the work boots, and the simple mask, it it makes it believable, I guess, to where he could just kind of show up at any time looking like that. Yeah. To me, the original Halloween, I haven't haven't seen it in a while, in a couple years. The last time I watched it, I watched a a Rift Tracks version of it. And if you don't know who Rift Tracks is... It's the, the guys behind Mystery Science Theater. They After that was over, they went on and did this new thing, Rift Tracks. Mm-hmm. But they, they did Halloween, and they did a, a great job just ripping on it. Um, but to me, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's in a way, it's, it's groundbreaking because it, it creates a whole new genre of slasher uh, thing. Um, just the, the, the fact of this... Uh, the shape, you know, they, you yeah. know, they originally call them the shape. Yeah. And that's, that's just kind of like, that was a new thing too. Like just a very, very like, um, uh, very subtle, but at the same time, like, you know, scary, it, just a lot of things about Halloween that were new and, yeah. and uh, fresh ideas. And the technical side of it was, you know, Carpenter was using this new version of a steady cam, uh, at, you know, to, to be like a follow cam yeah. and no, no one had used this before. Uh, and it, you know, it gave it like a new, it gave it like a, a new fresh look. All of that is, all of that is cool, but the bare bones of the movie itself, it is kind of boring. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll, nothing really happens for a long time. Right. You're kind of just like walking around a neighborhood yeah. for a while. And I, I mean, that's that's cool. You're building up this, you're building up the tension and everything, but, but yeah, like in, in retrospect, you you look at it, you look at it compared to the way tension is built in, uh, you know, more modern movies. And you go back and you watch Halloween, and you're like, you're like, yeah, this this is a, this is a little slow. It's a little, it's a little, it's a little dry. I, I mean, I feel like that, but you know, a lot of movies from the '70s, even like great, like some of my favorite movies from the '70s or even the '80s, I watch them now, or especially like I'll watch them with my daughters and kind of see them through their eyes, and I'm like, yeah, this is great, this is beautiful cinematography, but I'm like, but also like I'm looking at my daughters and they're like, oh my god, like when's something gonna happen? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I forgot how much of this movie uh, Michael Myers, the character, spends like just cruising around in a car and play like basically playing GTA, just like killing people and take like swapping cars out and then driving around the neighborhood like exactly <laughs> playing GTA. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Ha- half the movie that. is just him like drive cruising around, you know. Yeah, that's the daytime element, I think, is something that. To this day, I think it really sets this the original apart. The whole the the scene where he hides behind the bush and yeah. then he's there, then he's not. I mean, it's fucking daytime and he's straight up stalking people. I mean, it's very serial killer too. I mean, this is 
nowadays your average one out of three of Americans knows like how serial killers stalk people and how they could bury them in their basement and they use lime and like, you know, 72, nobody knew that stuff. That wasn't like a cool, the cool trending thing on Netflix. You know, you look at the top 10 right now, eight of them are about murders and serial killers. And that's what we all like to watch. But, but then they were like putting in these realistic things about someone who would be evil or who would be a serial killer. Right. And this whole daytime stalking and like, you don't see if he has the mask on, you see him driving the car around, he stops. They even notice him at one point. Yeah. And are like, Oh, weird. And then just like, (laughs) yeah. Well, I like how, like they say something, they're like, why are you following us? You creep. And he like stops the car. He's like, and and then he just drives off. Very strange. And we know, and I love stuff whenever we know, and the people there don't know, that's kind of the whole trope of horror. So we know and they don't. And we're like, oh boy, here we come, rubbing <laughs> our hands together, right? Uh, but, I mean, Mike's totally right, though, about the, there's no character driven. They're, they're worried. The character is Michael. And so, you know, that's another thing that this started with that slasher genre. Again, like you said, Mike is, <clears throat> they become the main character. The slasher is the main character. So we don't get a ton of side scenes with the characters developing a plot necessarily. It's mainly just watching this creep creep around and stalk people until the action starts happening. And then usually doesn't stop till the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I like the, uh, one thing I noticed was the, uh, when all the girls are driving around in the car and I think maybe they're smoking pot, um, but they're playing blue oyster cult. Don't fear the reaper, which I thought was funny because the carpenter movie we watched before this was, um, Prince of darkness and the whole, the, the logo for the, cause the, the devil demon or whatever in that movie, his logo was like an upside down question mark type thing. And I didn't know what it was, but afterwards I found out that's the logo for blue oyster coal that Carpenter yeah. just like threw into his movie. as like yeah. this, this demonic logo. And then, and then I heard blue oyster coal in this movie and I was like, Oh, like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like he obviously yeah, he, Carpenter obviously he loves did. that man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't, man, I told this story. I told the story maybe on a podcast. I don't know if it was uh, this one. So I, I, I'm afraid I'm, I'm going to repeat myself, but I, I hope not. But I'll, I'll start. I'll start off, and you tell me if I already told you the story. But there's a uh, one time I was driving through Rockford, Illinois. I was on my way to Michigan, or uh, on my way to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and uh, my the my stereo of my car had gotten stolen sometime previously so no no maybe no it wasn't it wasn't my stereo got stolen the cd the cd player stopped working so for like a whole summer i was just stuck with like the radio and i was on this long road trip with just the radio so i'm constantly like finding radio stations <laughs> right yeah and driving through rockford all of a sudden i found a uh, a show that was hosted by alice cooper i was nice. like oh this is cool and it was you know it was like late at night and alice cooper was just kind of he just likes to play his favorite stuff and he has, he has people on the interview mm-hmm. and he had John Carpenter on. Oh, nice. And this might've been in October. So it might've been like a special Halloween episode, but John Carpenter was his, uh, was his guest. And, you know, they talked about stuff, but at the end of the show, I, I caught it at the very end. Uh, Alice was like, okay, give us like your, you know, this is, this is your chance to give us your scariest song. Like the the song that terrifies you the most, the thing it, you think is is just the perfect horror song, and Carpenter was like, 
it doesn't get much better than Don't Fear the Reaper by oh, Blue Oyster nice. Cult. <laughs> and so they played that song. They played that song. He's like, Alice was like, great, cool, awesome. He's like, well, good talking to you, John. And they play the song, and when the song's over, he comes back, Carpenter's gone, and Alice is going to give his little sign-off. And Alice, Alice was like, that is absolutely not a scary song at all. <laughs> he just he just totally like rips into it. He was like, I was being polite to John while he was here, but uh, that is he's like that is not a scary song. <laughs> oh, that's, that's no, you but didn't he's tell like, me. That's he's hilarious. Like, I get it though. I, I get why you picked it. Yeah, <laughs> I like the idea of like Carpenter watching the cowbell skit from yeah. SNL and being like in, like shivering, like oh, yeah. all scared and shit. He just he dreams of Will Smith or Will Ferrell, just like clank clank clank. Wakes up in a cold sweat. Oh god. Yeah. Which for I'm anybody, any any of our listeners who haven't seen Prince of Darkness, Alice Cooper has uh you know a somewhat substantial role in that movie as like one of the homeless. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting a segue then to my. My story. I've never seen Prince of Darkness. Yeah, yeah. Alice Cooper uh, is in that movie. If you get a chance, yeah, it's part of his. Uh, and we're actually the next movie we're covering is the third movie in Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy, which is the Thing, Prince of Darkness, and then um, In the Mouth of Madness. So. Oh, nice. I never, I never knew that those were connected in some sort of thematic way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carpenter, huh. Carpenter considers them. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm about. I'm gonna watch the third one this weekend, so I'm interested to see how, <laughs> how it kind of ties things together. I, I feel like I feel like I that Carpenter had no intention of yeah. them being linked, and then like later he realizes like, oh, they're all kind of three about like maybe something that could end the world. He's like, oh, that was my plan all along. <laughs> yeah, he, he like, like yeah, he gets right. gets drunk and reads a Reddit article late at night. He's like, that's <laughs> yeah. what I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally right. intentional. <laughs> Exactly. Someone gets me finally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, speaking of music, the the big thing. I mean, we can't get past how awesome and scary the music is in this in this movie. Even the weird little synths, like meow things that, and that's all Carpenter and the guy who plays Michael Myers and another guy um, were a big part of um, the production, and they're a band. They had a band together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so music was a big part behind this. Um, and yeah, this is one of my favorite. I mean, I play it every Halloween on the piano. I freaking love the, the theme song too. And, and I would, I would kind of challenge and, and hopefully I, I'm wrong here, but I could learn something, but really challenge anyone else to, to come up with another director who had so much to do with the music down to a cultural song that you could play. And a three-year-old would be like, ah, what is that? You know, <laughs> and It's pretty neat. I mean, a little bit of it. Well, a lot of it is his ego, which, you know, he's, he's got a big one. Um, and you know, you're not going to see some of the later stinkers, hopefully for headcanon, like James Woods, vampires and shit like that. Where it's like, <laughs> I played the guitar on this whole thing. And I'm like, we get it. We can tell yeah, yeah. it's not, or, not quite the same <laughs> as this, <laughs> but again, he had just had a band and came from this creative space and got to give those guys a job doing this movie. And so they're all yeah. still creating together. And you, you guys both know when you're with a group and you're doing something, improv, uh, writing, reading, even like a book club, a gaming club, uh, a band, and you're doing something where you're like symbiotically like creating and bouncing off each other, being able to bring you into another forum like that, I can't imagine wasn't wasn't really 
awesome for them. And probably part of why this wasn't such an accident or why it, it you know, put, left such a stamp on culture and really started slasher movies. I mean, started the whole thing. I mean, now Hitchcock, between Hitchcock and this, there's a big gap. Uh, and he kind of said, like, I, I heard you, Alfred. Like, <laughs> you know, I'll take the torch. But yeah. if you ever see interviews with him, he almost hates the torch. It's like, why do you keep making horror movies then? He keeps being like, oh, these horror questions. It's like, you make horror movies, man. Chill out. Right, just embrace yeah, it. And there, yeah, there was some diminishing returns with his movies as well. I mean, they got to, it got to a point where, like, I I just I stopped watching his movies because – I just didn't find them amusing anymore. Yeah. Like those, those first, those first like few in the eighties. Yeah, absolutely. Just terrific. You know? And then, then he gets to like, you know, vampires and ghosts of Mars and I'm tuning out. Yeah. yeah. Ghosts of Mars. Shit. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. There was some, yeah, weird shit, especially in the nineties toward the end of the nineties. But, um, we've got a buddy, uh, John King who does, he, he's a professor of, film and 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 you know teaches screenwriting and all that um but we covered a couple of the we covered the thing and prince of darkness with him because he's a big john carpenter fan and and he you know for his money he pointed out how john carpenter there's about a 10 year span from halloween to like the fog um escape from new york the thing Christine, Big Trouble in Little China, they live. You know, he was like, there's about a 10-year span there where he was putting out movies regularly, and they all had some kind of, like, significant cultural um, impact. And uh, and he was like, yeah, I, I challenge you to to find a director who had that much, that those many, like, that many big hits all in a row. And and I think, he, I think he's right. The one thing I kind of thought of was Rob Reiner, which is kind of a weird one, but he... Like, I feel like he jumped from genre to genre and he was like, oh, I'm going to do uh, like Stand By Me, you know, and do that. And then like, uh, you know, I don't know. I feel like Rob Reiner ju could just jump from genre to genre and had a hit every, you know, every time he put out a movie there for a little while. Yeah, I feel like it's budget, too, you know, between those two. I mean, a lot of Carpenter doing and having so much of himself on those early movies is because they didn't you know, Dimension or whoever it was that put him out first, they didn't have a lot of cash where Reiner, even if he could write his own music, he probably had people <laughs> doing that for him, even on the early movies. Yeah. You know? Oh, no, yeah. Oh, I think you're right about this, especially the theme to this movie. I can't think of anything. I can't think of a director at all who's ever wrote, like, a, a song like that. No. That's, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's pretty neat. What did, you, what did you think of the uh, the David Gordon Green uh, reboot. I mean, that got like Carpenter's blessing. Yeah, I I thought so. Yeah, for for our listeners, I watched uh, this first one, and this, so this is another alternate timeline. You can watch the first movie, and then jump right to Halloween. What was it? Twenty. It's the first two because they're Jamie Lee Curtis is in the first two, so it's Halloween one and two, and then David Gordon Green's. Okay, I think they, I thought they skipped uh, the second. No, one. they they they, they cut out two. They completely ignore the second movie. Yeah. So it falls out the window. Yeah. Halloween yeah. One. Yep. Okay. Okay. yeah. Which yeah. which was interesting that this version, Halloween and then Halloween Kills, it did a similar thing that Halloween 1 and Halloween 2 did, where it picked up like right, you know, Halloween Kills picks up right when yeah. Halloween 2018 leaves off. Um, I thought, because after I watched this movie, 
for this podcast. I, I watched the these ver- the newer versions because I hadn't seen them yet. And I thought Halloween 2018 was a serviceable uh, reboot of the franchise. I thought it was interesting. And then Halloween Kills. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> there's a lot of yeah. weird... I don't know what they were doing in that movie. There was just... There's a, it's a little bit of a train wreck, I feel like, in Halloween Kills. Yeah, I I feel like they they uh, <laughs> they they found like a chorus, and it's one of the it's one of those songs where that just repeats the chorus too much, and that chorus was "Evil Dies Tonight," right? And uh, they just had everyone saying that over and over <laughs> and over again. Yeah, uh, it, but yeah, Halloween Kills. It's funny that they ignore Halloween Two because Halloween Kills thematically is almost the exact same thing. Uh, Jamie Curtis spends most of the time in a hospital. Yeah. Um, just like the second movie. Um, yeah. And then they, it's just like oh, the whole neighborhood looking for him. But yeah, it, it, it just wasn't, it, it, there wasn't anything to that movie. It, it like, it really wasn't good. It was just like, it, it kind of reminded me of Rob Zombie's versions, which was, they were just overly gratuitous, and that's saying something for Halloween. Yeah. Like, Halloween itself is gratuitous. But this was just, like, they wanted you to experience every detail of every death, you know? And yeah. the the gratuity of it being, like, uh, people, like, like doing, you know, award-level uh, acting jobs on begging for their lives, which just, <laughs> was, just makes it so weird. I mean, that's that's that was like the Rob Zombie thing. You had like you had people like like giving it. They're all just sobbing and and begging for their lives as you know, like right before they're getting killed. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, aren't these supposed to be fun? Right? Like, isn't? I mean, yeah. I I I know that like you know, serial killers and slashers and stuff. You know, that's that's not funny stuff in reality. But these these are like the whole th- point of these movies is to have fun. Yeah. So. I mean, when I was a kid, that that they meant boobs to me. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll just be straight up. I mean, it's, when we were watching a horror movie, and I was a kid, I was like, "Yep, seeing boobs tonight for sure. Can't wait. Where are they? When do they? When are they yeah. coming? Where are the boobs? Is it going to be Jamie Lee's boobs? No way, it won't be hers. It wasn't. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then and then looking back on it, like you kind of realize that like how how weird this is to like to create this sort of, uh, to create this image for, for teenagers or whatever, where it's like, yes, here, let's, let's get them naked and then like kill them. So there's always this image of like, uh, like a knife penetrating a naked woman and then blood splattering across her tits. And it's just, it's really fucked up. Yeah. You think about it, but we became desensitized to it. Yeah, for sure. Well, and to the point where, especially like in the eighties, it got like, it just got so corny and campy, especially like Friday the 13th and, and Nightmare on Elm Street, where the slasher genre really, more than maybe anything else I can think of, really became a parody of itself. And, the, you know, the later Freddy and Jason movies, they really are just like, you know, corny, campy, funny, and you're just waiting for the kills, you know, like what's, oh, what, what cool way are they going to get killed, you know? And there's like almost no horror or suspense to it, but, um, but I I really wanted to like the David Gordon Green versions, especially Halloween Kills when they brought back so many of the old actors. I was like, I was on board, and even the theme, like I kind of knew going into it that the theme was like, uh, 
a community rallying together to confront this like trauma that had, cause the first one was kind of about Jamie Lee Curtis and her and kind of generational trauma between her and her daughter and her granddaughter and standing up to this, you know, this thing that inflicted this generational trauma. And then I feel like Halloween kills was supposed to be about like a community coming together to confront this source of trauma, uh, which I like as a theme, but I feel like it failed pretty hard uh, at every level on, on following through with that theme, you know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe they can, maybe they can wrap it up nicely with the third one. You know, yeah. Halloween, Halloween ends. I'm not quite sure when that's coming yeah. out, but this, I think October I, this year. Okay. Yeah. And, and maybe that will finally be the end of it. Like, <laughs> can we, can we, yeah. It's like, can we just not do it anymore? Can, yeah. Yeah. I have my doubt. Although but... I, I, I really would like to see like a remake or even, um, a mini series or something, uh, based on the third movie, based on season of the witch. Uh, I, I think, I think that would be cool. I think there's, there's a lot there to explore, to expand on, yeah. you know, getting into the, the, getting into the supernatural side of things. I would say like stranger things has got a lot of things are kind of inspiration from, you can feel their, their inspiration and influence from that. You know, that whole, just like you said, paranormal, supernatural kind of thing from that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked it. I didn't hate the, didn't really like, but I didn't really hate the David Gordon Green ones. The first one, I loved Toby Huss, so that was awesome that he was in. um, I I mean, I I really liked the first movie. The first one was cool. I didn't love the end, how she has this elaborate, she's been thinking about this day (laughs) for years, and then it's just fucking hide and seek. Right. Her house, you know, which we're right back to the first movie again, which I get it, but that I would think you would want to do the antithesis of everything that almost got you killed in the first movie, you know, have a big light and all this stuff shining on them or whatever. But they they had a cool way of wrapping it up at the end and thinking that they, you know, would, would take them out. Um, so that was neat. There are a couple cool. I really like the trope of the uh, motion detector light in the backyard. That was mm-hmm. scary as fuck. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like that and how he was just closer and closer. And we all know, like you said, Corey, at this point, we all know, I mean, this kid's dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, how are they going to kill him and how is he going to pop up and when is he going to pop up? And that specific kid gets his head shoved down on a fucking fence post, like real brutal yeah. uh, death. Like Mike was saying, real gratuitous with the deaths in, in these two. Um, but yeah, it, they're not bad. The second one, the Mortal Kombat scene, I call it, when he comes out of the fire and it's like, here's 20 <laughs> firemen for you to just fucking kill and we're going to be POV, which I believe, again, one of the only other POV times other than the first scene in the first John Carpenter movie is when he comes out to do his Mortal Kombat scene and we see his POV and he's just looking at all these firemen and it's like, well, I'm going to kill every one of these people. Let's do it. Who's first? You know, it's almost like Bruce Lee or something. Or again, well, they, it's seriously, you could put Mortal Kombat music over that scene and it would be just fine. Right. And they start doing like Scott Pilgrim style, like, you know, double bonus, four firemen, quadruple bonus. And like points. someone has had to have done this. This has, had, has to be in the culture ether already. There's no way it's not. <laughs> I'm sure because that scene made me laugh. I loved it as a Michael Myers fan, as a kid that loved Halloween. But I can't talk about it and be like it was good because <laughs> yeah. it really was just silly. I mean, 
that movie is taking itself real serious. Yeah. You know, um, but I guess the whole idea, and I don't want to talk about it too much. So my canon is about, you know, a lot of these new ties into the old and new movies, but like, I don't know. It just solidifies some of the things that I think um, David is trying to get back on track that John Carpenter was doing with yeah. his character. And I think that's probably why he has the blessings. He probably did, did a lot of time sitting down with them being like, where did this need want to go? Where did you want it to go? And at least letting him have an opinion, whether or not he listened to it. Yeah. <laughs> like, we got to get James Woods. He's like, no. <laughs> no, please, no. <laughs> not Woods. Well, and I think, uh, and that, and David Gordon Green, I think next he's tackling the, uh, the Exorcist. I think he's going to go back and re- reboot yeah. The Exorcist. That's, that's going to be a, a TV series, actually. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Oh, no, wait a minute. No, The Exorcist, I think, is a movie, but he is he is also in some way involved in a Hellraiser TV series. Coming oh, why why so, just because he did one does he have to do three? Why can't he just? I, he, I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like it, yeah, it's one of those things where he you know he got you know he got the blessing right. from from, Car- from Carpenter, <laughs> and so they're like, well. They're like he's he has to be the guy, right? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's the well, guy that we go to. He's he's become like the he's the J.J. Abrams. Yeah. Of that's that's what I was gonna reboots. say. No. Yeah, J.J. Horror. Yeah, and the funny thing, like Danny McBride has a hand in all this too, because yeah. those guys are like really good friends. So so Danny Danny's on, you know, like uh, he's on the script of of Halloween reboot. I think he he might be on the script of the second one too. So yeah. is he not a producer too, I feel like maybe Pro- probably. I mean, I mean that's another reason time. I was rooting for it, because I love he's pounded down and all that stuff, man. I mean seriously some of the funniest T V I've seen in a long time. And so I was rooting for it, thinking like these guys have made some seriously good comedy. What I, I bet they can I had faith, you know, they could mm-hmm. and again, the first one pretty good. Liked it, didn't hate it. Um second one Okay, I feel like they could have just made them both one movie, but uh, <laughs> cut out a lot of shit. Yeah. Second one, putting putting all of this into Green's hands, you know, all of this reboot. Yeah, uh, eventually you're going to get sort of like you're going to get like the same thing. It's going to they're all going to start to like look the same, and I I feel like you know I I like him and everything, but I feel like there's probably other talent out there who who can tackle the you know these franchises. But yeah. I don't know. Give it, give it all to him. We'll, we'll see if he can. We'll see if he doesn't like it stretched too thin. <laughs> well, I think like Mustafa Akkad or whatever the guy who did a lot of the the first two with Carpenter. I think his kid had something to do with this one too. So this one just has its claws and Carpenter and Akkad's family. And yeah. so I think you're both right. I think they're going to try to end it with this third one to say we're done. No more Michael Myers. He's gone. <laughs> Retired. Yeah. Started the genre and now he's done. <laughs> Although we'll we'll see how long before the studio is like, uh, you know, you know, we've got this property uh, makes pretty decent return on our investment. <laughs> Hear me out, Myers in space. <laughs> <laughs> he's, it's only a matter of time. He's got to do it. We had Jason X, man. It's got to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But speaking of the, there are a couple scenes like. Um, you know the POV at the very beginning of the the original Halloween, nineteen seventy eight, where you've got Michael Myers in that POV scene outside, uh, which kind of reminded me of Evil Dead. You know the Sam Raimi, he loves that. For which actually, I just watched the uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness last night. 
I, I don't. You guys probably. I don't know. Have you seen it? Did not, you watch it? Not, not seen it yet. Yeah. No. So I won't spoil anything. But but yeah, you've yeah, definitely. Yeah, you better not. <laughs> but just that Sam Raimi like first person POV shot. You know, um, he loves yeah. it. Um, but but Sam Ra- or so so Michael Myers is like outside the house like watching his sister and her boyfriend and they go upstairs and they're upstairs for like two minutes and the guy yeah i know but the (laughs) the guy comes back down i was like there's no way like did he even have time to finish like that was way too quick but you know whatever uh but then but then again later when the uh the oh who was it and when they're in the the house and it's the two teenagers um having sex in the phone rings and whatever and then, like, he's done five seconds later. I was like, there's no way she came. Like, there's – yeah. So I was like, yeah. I was like, is it is it Carpenter? Like, maybe he doesn't understand how things work. Or maybe he just – it's a realistic uh, interpretation of, like, teenage sex. You know? Yeah, <laughs> some like, of that, but – Real quick and just done and over with. Doesn't he not only not get her off, but ask her to make him a sandwich or get him a beer or something like directly after. And that's how he dies or something. Or no, oh. maybe he's like, I'm going to go get a beer. Yeah. Cause she stays, she stays in bed and he goes, yeah. That's right. Yeah. She's like, I love you. Cuddle with me. And he's like, I'm getting a beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, but that's then right. there's that one point where, cause the woman who's babysitting at the house with, the the girl Lindsay, um she what happened she like leaves she gets stuck in the laundry room for a minute like mike myers locks her in the laundry room and she's like having a hard time getting out um but so then she ends up getting killed oh yeah that's right she drops a little girl off at the other house with jamie lee curtis and that kid tommy and so then she gets killed. But then those two other teenagers just like randomly show up at a house that they don't even, they're not babysitting there. They don't know. Like, they're like, oh, here's an empty house. Let's go have sex. And I was just thinking, like, how would you feel as a homeowner if you walked in and there were two teenagers having sex and you didn't even know them? You were like, who, like, <laughs> where, where is my daughter? Where is her babysitter? Who the fuck are you? And why are you having sex in my bed? Like, I have so many questions, you know? Yeah, where's my beer? Where's my beer? (laughs) No, that's all they had to worry about back in the days, leaving your empty house and a couple teenagers coming around squat fucking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, squat. But but there was that one, uh, the one line where they go, uh, you know, they're about to have sex and her boyfriend is like, uh, he's like, oh yeah. And then we rip Lindsay's clothes off, talking about the 10-year-old girl. And I was like, bro, you're fucking. You're talking about a fucking ten year old, like Jesus Christ. Carpenter wanted that line in there. Yeah. It's like it's a different time. <laughs> it was a different time. Oh. Yeah, they maybe should cut go back and edit some of that out. Have it say something different there. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we should take her downstairs and let her watch a movie. <laughs> right. Heat her up a Pop Tart. <laughs> yeah, heat her up a Pop Tart. Like something like product placement too. <laughs> right. <laughs> I much prefer the original, obviously, to to any of them. I mean, again, it just being a genre buster and it just being creepy as shit and very realistic. Um, it, it's great, but yeah, I mean, I think you both nailed it. It's it's pretty slow by today's standards. Um, I mean, even if you try to show it versus David Gordon Green's first Halloween, the the cut, everything, color, it's completely different. Yeah. But eight, but is what is it? Eighty-two minutes. 
I mean, it's yeah. it's perfect. It's yeah. like a perfect length. Uh, I mean, comp- compared to like you know Rob Zombie's reboot, which was like two and a half hours or some shit. It's, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, 80, 82 minutes, eighty four minutes, whatever. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. Any any longer, and it's just sort of like, I mean, what the fuck are we doing here? Right. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, he tried to do some character development stuff. There's a lot of stuff with that granddaughter and and the mom and. They try to build all the that tension and stuff that happened between Jamie Lee and her daughter and her daughter's daughter and then, then you know they're they're trying to lay some plot in there through some character stuff but you know then they're like we got to get to the kill and he's out so <laughs> here we go yeah yeah no you're right though and this movie the you know the original is so you know much like a teenage boy in this movie like gets in does what he's there to do gets back out you know that short and sweet. Um, but there's, I mean, there's just so much that's iconic about it though, you know, especially like at the end when, when shit starts going, um, and there's some genuinely terrifying bits, you know, when Jamie Lee Curtis is hiding in the closet, right. And he's like right outside the door. And the one thing though, I kept like every time she would get the best of him and like stab him or, or whatever, she always would like drop the knife right next to him. And I was, I was, I'm like, no, don't, why, why are you just like put the knife somewhere else? classic yeah <laughs> right classic Which, classic yeah. horror movie like dumbness yeah yeah well Drop, my theory weapons my theory is he can't speak and she stabs him so many times in that first one and he doesn't make a noise mm-hmm. so i mean i think he's just completely you right and not like choosing to not speak because if you get stabbed, even if you don't speak, you're probably going to make a noise. So, right. Even if it's muffled behind a mask. <laughs> but he just, he's like, he throws his hands up like, I've been stabbed when she's stabbed. Which makes it, again, creepy. Yeah. I mean, you, all you hear is just like, in the end, he doesn't make a noise getting stabbed. It's almost, that's a quiet, quiet climax scene compared to other horror movies. The, the music's up, but like just the whole ruckus of all of it, it's actually pretty simple and quiet I mean, but you, they use shadows a lot too so do you think if like they had just never even tried to explain uh why he can um you know withstand all this damage like not die because it would have i think it would have made it like a bit more interesting sometimes sometimes i really like no answers yeah you know, and, and the thing is is in that in that second movie they tried to shoehorn some like some Sam Hain supernatural witchcraft kind That's of stuff right. into it. With the tattoo. And, but like they get, it's like they're in the in that second movie. They're in a school or something, and they find Sam Hain scribbled on a wall, and then they find some shit drawn on a floor, and <laughs> even that, even that doesn't get explained. So it's like, so like you're you're basically you're piling on like questions without answers, and now you're just. And it just looks like you're trying to make some shit up, like, you know, just be like, why is he not dead? And they're like, oh, let's have a scene. Let's draw some some pentagrams on a floor. Yeah. But we never we never find out like, right. We never find out who who's like um, casting these spells or even if they have anything to do with Michael Myers. I don't know. It was really weird. Like, I, I watched the second yeah. one recently. I, actually, I watched that. Yeah, I watched that second one last Halloween. Okay. And uh, yeah, and it, it was that part I I completely forgot about as a kid, and then like watching again, 
as an adult, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what this is for. This all it almost feels like this is a different movie. That right. scenes from a different movie that they shoehorned in here. Yeah. But um, I don't know. And that's supposed to be the explanation, I guess, is that uh, so you know, I don't know, someone's messing around with witchcraft and, and now he's <laughs> he's cursed he's cursed to be some sort of uh, immortal killing machine or something. I don't know. Huh. It would just just been better if like there was no explanation at all. Right. Well, like, and, I, ah. and I wonder if that's like the David Gordon Green movies. Is that why they skipped the second one and just went straight? Because I because I, I, I don't think they had any of that kind of explanation, did they? I really think that they they wanted to get away from the witchcraft yeah. stuff in that in the, the newest reboot. So they're like, if they had to acknowledge that second movie, it would have been really weird to just ignore the the like the witchcraft stuff that you know got put into that second movie yeah i don't think four five and six has any of that necessarily but rob definitely leaned into not so much the evil side but like a whole reason behind why he's like disgruntled and he's mad and he's like this mean mad calculated kid and i just like that he's not i like that he's just evil you know i don't Again, some of my head cannons like some of that, but like he just that he's just an evil animal. Yeah, you know? that's it. Yeah, that he's that he's a he's a child of abuse. He's a child of poverty. Uh, yeah. All that all that kind of stuff. And you know, and and I get it. Like there, you know, you could probably find some statistics on um, you know on people with murderous tendencies and their their backgrounds. But at the same time, same time, I just felt like it was it's it was just so. I don't know. It was so cliched and kind of like tone deaf in a way because it's, it's like, you know, children that come from broken homes or children that come from abuse or, or, or poverty, whatever, they don't, they don't turn into serial killers. They, right. I mean, they really don't. I mean, not they, they like crime, you know, they might turn to crime, but when you, you like look down through like the history of like actual fucking serial killers, right? you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I think, I think the majority of them were pretty normal, like upbringings, right? I don't know. Yeah, either so, that or like, yeah, I think a lot of them had like weird mommy issues. I think there was some. I don't know. I feel like just the stuff I've read, there's been yeah some like weird psychological abuse, maybe. I think you're right, Mike. A lot of it is just it has to do with the mind. It's not necessarily always nature versus nurture. Sometimes you just. And I think that's what's so awesome about Loomis. He's just like, sometimes people are fucking evil. And the same with The Dark Knight. Sometimes people just want to watch the world burn, and there's no answer for it. Or guess what? You're not getting the answer. Yeah, it doesn't and matter at that you're, point. You're burning. doesn't yeah. matter. You're on fire. Yeah, which, I, I, yeah, which I, I do appreciate that about Loomis, and, and I like that he has this tact on Michael Myers because that's what Michael Myers is, and I love that about him. But at the same time, I was just thinking because, like, my wife's a social worker, right? And from the very beginning, Sam Loomis is like, this child is evil. He's pure evil. He must be. I was like, this guy is the worst fucking caseworker. Like, yeah, that's true. Like, and Corey, you said that you hadn't seen the Rob Zombie movies, right? I don't think so, I have, yeah. Do you know who plays Loomis in those? No, I don't think I do. It's it's um, it's Malcolm McDowell. Oh, okay. Okay. I did so, not I did not know that, it, no. And it's kind of funny if you put Malcolm McDowell up against Donald Pleasance. Right. And you see that like their their career trajectories are uh, you know, they're they're kind of different, but I always they 
you definitely can put these two guys in the same room uh, as far as like the, their their sort of their hamminess, mm-hmm. as, you know, their approach towards acting. Yeah. So I, I mean, I thought I thought it was like Malcolm was I think the a very good choice. It was it was probably like the best thing about the Rob Zombie movies is is uh, his choice for Loomis. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, and he's more he's more like helping him because yes. again. Michael Myers is a kid in the in those he's like real mean real like I meant to do this you know by the time he kills his stepdad you want him to because his stepdad's such a piece of shit you're like yeah, yeah kill him yeah and so he's real just like hates everyone shut down mean kid so that gives that Loomis Malcolm McDowell Loomis the room to be a little bit more like a caseworker would be is paid to be <laughs> in the system right <laughs> yeah um yeah. So well, and they, that, and, they really, and, like I said, they really lean in to the gratuitousness of uh, of his violence in those. It, like, there's um, Danny Trejo is in the uh, the how the Rob Zombie version, really? and he's like a he's a custodian, mm-hmm. and he's he's actually friendly to Michael Myers while he's institutionalized. He you know he's friendly to him. He doesn't you know he he talks to him. Uh, I think maybe he even like give some stuff to read or something. But when Michael Myers like breaks out uh, the first person he kills is Danny Trejo. And they're, they're in the scene while he's killing Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo is like, he's like, I was always good to you, Michael. Why are you doing this? And it's, it's stuff like that. where I'm just sort of like, you're not making this fun. Like right. this is, this is like, I mean, I get it. You're, we don't need, we don't need uh, more, uh, uh, qualifiers for Michael Myers to be evil. Right. We don't need we don't need a scene where he's killing the one guy who was nice to him and have <laughs> the guy like pleading to him saying, "I was nice to you, don't you remember?" and right. then still kill him. <laughs> it was just it's just it's over the top. <laughs> That's a, for I haven't seen that movie and the just the way you guys are describing the Rob Zombie stuff, it sounds hilarious. Like I'm just, I, I'm sure <laughs> it's the hilariously exec- bad. Yes. <laughs> But well, when you when you were talking about Loomis, it, it reminded me of one of one of my problems with Halloween Kills, is that whole subplot about the cop who accidentally shoots his partner. Okay, yeah. And then like, and then so he like accidentally shoots his partner, and then he like he's like grief stricken and he goes downstairs and it, and Doctor Loomis is always like, "Has Michael killed again? Tell me, has he killed again?" Like like basically. <laughs> pressuring this cop into saying that you know that that mike myers killed his partner um and that whole part i don't know i was like i didn't i don't know i didn't buy it it seemed weird it it, i don't know it wasn't good it's a a cgi donald pleasance too right it's like it's jib jab jib jab donald yeah (laughs) jib jab pleasance yeah yeah it's just like yeah it's just like it's just a cgi like frame of his face and then it's like it's like the the like the fake Conan O'Brien skit where it's just like it's someone else's mouth. Right. Yeah. Has he killed again? Tell me. Oh man. Oh shit. But this movie, uh, another movie we're talking about here uh, soon on Headcanon is Blair Witch, uh, the Blair Witch Project, which I th- I thought it was interesting. This was the most profitable. I guess what was it? The most profitable indie movie. Up until the Blair Witch in 1999, because this this made like 70 million dollars on like a 300k budget, uh, which is pretty crazy. 
which still to this day should prove to people. And I believe Carpenter does try to preach this. Like you do not need all that shit. Like you can make, you know, and not that Carpenter's not spending millions and and making (laughs) shit CGI. Don't get me wrong, but you really don't. The tropes they use and created for the whole generation to follow in this movie are just fucking with people's minds using environment and light and sounds and things to fuck with people. And even like, you know, every once in a while we'll have a Jordan Peele or someone come out of the woodwork and make something. And it's not that special. It's just using those things to the ultimate productive uh, productivity or whatever effectiveness, I guess. Right. Using character, using light, using all that stuff. Um, and you know, I, I, 300k man, and it started a whole a whole thing just from some synthesizers and the shape. Right. You know, I mean, th- it's not the acting, it's not the plot. You know, it's it's literally creating attention with some yeah. with some light and some music. Yeah. And and Halloween Halloween has been around for a long time, and no one no one has thought to just like just just dive into the to this holiday. Make this holiday is the horror movie. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's like set on Halloween. It's named Halloween. It's funny that it, it took John Carpenter, uh, you know, to come along in 1978 and finally do this. Like, why, why aren't we making more movies revolving around <laughs> Halloween? That is the time of horror. Right. <laughs> it's funny. It's, I mean, he's, he's the, the, the first one to do it. I, I'm sure that there's probably some other obscure B movies out there that like, you know, it, it killed on Halloween. It's a black and white movie, but Pumpkinhead. I think Pumpkinhead is set on Halloween. Pumpkinhead. Yeah. Pumpkinhead. Like, yeah, it's like way later, way though. Oh yeah. yeah, way later. You're right. Well, and there, then there, and just speaking on this movie's effect on other movies, there's one scene in particular where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is looking out the window, and I think she sees Michael Myers like in the daytime when he's like daytime stalking her. Um, but it it really reminded me of scenes like in. Uh, in hereditary where the boy like looks out the window and there's the, the woman, you know, is like, is like saying something to him. And then also, um, in it follows where the girl, I don't know if you've seen that movie. She's like in class in the middle of school and she like sees this old woman walking toward her out the window and all all of those, like they just have a very similar like look and feel. And I've got to think it was an intentional, uh, homage. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier earlier movies. Because um, that is creepy as shit, man. Yeah. And that is what serial killers do because you don't know they're stalking you. Yeah. Um, so they don't need a mask. They're just sitting there watching you. Yeah. Um, you really took that, you know, because that shit was still scary back then. You know, they didn't know. It was just, they read a news article, maybe a news thing. It says, there's someone around your area killing people. Good luck. See yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Right. Good luck. Yeah. You know the cops in your town. They're not real sharp. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the 70s was was kind of a golden age for for the real serial killers out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like the um, not like these fake uh, ones nowadays. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fake bitches. But I, I mean, it's it's just so it's so much harder to to you know to be a serial killer these days just because of just because of all the technology yeah, and everything. There's cameras fucking yeah, everywhere. Yeah. But in the seventies, you know that, um, you know, Pat Oswald's late wife, you know, she, she wrote that book, and then it, the, you know, the whole documentary about the, uh, what was his name, the, the, the Golden, oh, I forget. Anyway, I mean, he was in the seventies. Uh, Richard Ramirez was in the seventies. 
So, I mean, uh, yes. So, you know, obviously Carpenter was, was fascinated with these stories and he, you know, he realized here you're getting to the end of the decade, you know, it's time to, it's time to like cash in on this, on the serial killer thing. But, you know, instead of, instead of making it this, this human person, you know, let's, let's take away the humanity of a serial killer. And it's just, you know, it's just the shape. Yeah. Not even, not even a face. We're not not (laughs) even going to give him a face. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can't remember what it is specifically, but I read something at one point that was talking about how kind of attributing the, the serial killer boom of the seventies to like the, um, like kind of that middle class, like golden age of the fifties and even the sixties where it was like, you know, kind of that middle, middle class suburbia could survive on one income and you typically had a mom at home, like maybe an absentee father, maybe even a dad who had served in World War Two and was a little bit uh, abusive in certain ways. But you had but you had a mom in a society that was telling you, like, hey, everything is possible now. You can go out if you go out and just work hard, whatever, like life is good. You can achieve anything you want to. You just got to go work hard. And then by the time the 70s come around and especially the 80s and the Reagan era, but like the 70s, you know, you had Vietnam and kids are getting drafted to fucking go to war and die. And then, especially when, like, Reaganomics hit, you kind of had this, like, I don't know, these kids started, like, they started to realize, like, oh, we've been sold a fucking, like, I can't, all of this stuff that I feel is owed to me and that I, that is mine, you know, uh, is not coming to me. And I, I, I don't know. I, I, I forget what it was, but I read something about how that, like, that point in time was just kind of a special confluence of events that kind of led to this kind of personality in a certain kind of person, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's just scaring the shit out of the Midwest. Like you're not safe. <laughs> yeah. You know? like, this is supposed to be Illinois. Like it only takes one dude. You're going to have to lock your doors. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Ted Bundy even like said some shit like that. Like, uh, just to that effect that like the, the way society is and uh, you know, he was like, you're just going to see more and more people like me. You know, it was like, we're, we're just the logical, uh, outcome of this kind of like, you know, this kind of society. Yeah. Um, Trust, as long as trust and, and, and faith is out there, people will be able to take advantage of it until it's all just through the people in the door and no, no, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. No solicitors. No, thank you. (laughs) Well, uh, can we, can we, we did talk about under the mask. Can we talk about that real quick? Like yeah. I'd something I'm obsessed with, with slasher movies, you know, seeing under the mask, whether it's Leatherface, you know, Jason's had a f- couple cool ones. We've seen a, <laughs> seeing Freddie, some of the old, like, like, uh, you know, stream sequences of Freddie before he was burned, you know, just seeing all that. I think there's only one time we kind of see his face mm-hmm. and it's in the first one. Right. Or is it in the second? There's a part where Donald Pleasance get or uh, yeah Loomis gets a hold of him somehow, and maybe she's there too. He somehow gets a hold of him. Might be in the hospital, and he gets him to take his mask off. Okay, I don't. Think and it's he kind of talks one. to him for a little bit, and you can kind of see a silhouette of his face, and it's a little bit goofy, weird looking, but not not so abnormal looking. And then something happens, like a sound, and he throws the mask back on, and he's back in killer mode. Okay. But I don't think, other than that, there's any other time other than zombie before he finds the mask. There's a whole thing of him again 
going miles and miles to Haddonfield in this, you know, looking like a giant, like person from Lord of the Rings or something, you know, and he eventually he had long hair. So he eventually cut his hair and got put, or put the mask on over the hair, you know, but other than that, I don't think there's a lot of time. So we never really get to humanize him yeah. at all in this original one. Which I, I didn't realize that. I feel like that's got to be the second Halloween because I don't remember that at all. I, I'm pretty yeah, sure it might be the second. I'm one. sure it's not in the first. But I feel like there is a moment in one of the David Gordon Green movies where he gets his mask pulled off for a second mm-hmm. and then puts it back on. And I, it's pro- yeah. it's got to be an homage to what you're talking about. Oh, it's the Doctor. It's when Loomis's guy, Loomis's uh, protege or whatever. Oh, the, wo- the woman. The when nurse? he kills him and he takes his mask off because he always wanted to see him. Okay. And then yeah, he, yeah. he pulls it back on after he kills him. That's right. Well, and I mean, technically that whole scene before they, when they break him out, I mean, we get toyed with, we kind of get to see his chin. We get to see his beard and that he's like bald and gray headed when he's at the hospital. Right. We kind of get to see his, the shape and and a little bit of what his face looks like. Um, But other than him getting his clown mask taken off in the first one, when he's (laughs) a little kid. And again, he looks completely like a normal little kid in carpenters. I mean, he's just a little blonde little boy. So unless something happened in the hospitals, I would guess if his face was supposed to be marred, it's probably a third or fourth one because all that shit had happened to him, right? Like getting hit in the face and shot and all that maybe kind of messed his face up. But we don't really ever get to see his face, so yeah. that's very interesting. Yeah, I I, for, I forgot about in the in the green movies where they you do get to see that his hair is gray and that he's balding. Yeah. So it's like they're they're letting us know that he ages like a normal person. Like it was sort of this thing where like. Green Green was letting us know that this is this is a, a completely normal uh, human being in the in the regards of like you know he's not supernatural you know he, he ages he, you know he's bald so I don't know I forgot about that and I, I think that was kind of interesting yeah just, he's just old. showing just showing us that part that like yeah he's old yeah yeah. <laughs> And those people being so into him was awesome because that's so now. People like wanting to find out, you know, and got to go meet them and put their mind, put their, that's a great Holly uh, horror movie trope. Like, you know, be careful what you wish for, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's always some kind of horror enthusiast who gets exactly what they, what they wanted in right. those movies. <laughs> nice. Well, was there anything else from this movie or any of the other movies you guys want to talk about before we jump into to head cannons and other things? Yeah, I don't know. That was kind of it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, great, great movie. My favorite. Yeah. When people ask me, um, you know, my kids, there's this horror band out right now called Ice Nine Kills, and they do songs from horror movies, and one of theirs was Michael Myers, and it grabbed my kids when they saw these guys dress up like them and they have a song that's all about Michael Myers and my kids are super into horror movies now and my favorite, her favorite's Michael Myers and there's something about that original that you can, you can sit down and watch it with an eight-year-old and it's a good scary horror movie that's not inappropriate really. I mean, there's a, nowadays it's so hard they get excited to watch even the newest Scream reboot. It's like, there's just a lot of shit, a lot of heavy overplot character driven shit. You're like, this is not needed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Let, like Mike kept saying today, let's have fun. Right. You know, let's, well, why can't this be fun and funny? Like even the original screen was hilarious. 
Um, but yeah, finding that balance, I guess we only had a few West Cravens and people like that that could find that balance between making it somewhat of a quote unquote plot and, and still be silly and have a Freddy Krueger. It's like, you know, fuck your mom or whatever <laughs> his catch line's going to be as he's literally in your dream, fucking your mom. <laughs> but this one's my favorite. I mean, it caught, again, when I was a kid, rated R, it meant boobs, going to see this every time. So I loved horror, uh, all the slasher movies. Didn't see a lot of Leatherface as a kid. So it's Freddy Krueger, Jason, and Michael Myers for me. And there's something about this one that just stands out. It's more artistic. It's more it's it's more realistic. So it just scared, it scared the crap out of me as a kid. And even now when I watch it, it's just something about the shape, man. It yeah. scares you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not, and it's not Camp Crystal Lake, like, you know, Jason is, is you know, and even like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is set, set in suburbia, but it takes place in your dreams and everything. So, yeah, you're right. Halloween is just a little bit more like, it's a step it comes closer to your door. To home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he comes to your door, so you don't yeah. have to go anywhere. You're in the Midwest <laughs> with your door unlocked, and he's coming for you. Yeah. But how many movies did it take for the people from Haddonfield to get it figured out? I mean, you would think <laughs> by Halloween Kills, the ADT systems in Haddonfield would be like the the purge. You know, right, or something. Yeah. <laughs> Every Halloween, it just locks everybody's house down. <laughs> you would think they would be ready by then. Yeah, I yeah. Guess. They're like, we don't celebrate Halloween anymore. We're just... Right, yeah, shut we it skip down. that one. Yeah. <laughs> Haddonfield, we skip. We don't talk about Halloween. Yeah, no. <laughs> Next week, Brent returns as we cover The Lost Boys. So be sure to check that out before next week. And as always, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Headcanon, on Instagram at Pod, on Twitter at HorrorMoviePod, and you can always follow the subreddit r slash HorrorMoviePod. Well, do you guys have an idea for a headcanon? Or I can go first, it doesn't matter to me. Mike, Mike looks like he might be frozen and muted. Muted and or frozen. That's fine. I'll go ahead with my cannon. Go for it. My head cannon. So my, my head cannon was um that we see when Loomis finds the truck that one of the as Mike Myers was like playing GTA and hopping from car to car, uh Loomis finds an abandoned truck that's like Jim it says Jim Jim Phelps on the side. I think it's like a tow truck or something. He's got a uh, he's got a uh, you know a mechanic shop or whatever but he's in he's been murdered we see the dead body and so i imagine that had that man lived his son little bobby phelps would have gone on to like live you know live a decent life his dad's a mechanic but he makes enough money and and is able to give his son a better life his son is able to go to medical school and cure cancer and like does all this great stuff but because mike myers killed jim phelps none of that happened after that, like his mom was struggling to pay bills and make ends meet, and like you know, little Bobby Phelps just had to like do what he could to to help his mom with the bills, and so we never got the cure for cancer because because <laughs> Michael Myers killed Jim Phelps. Oh wow! So I like it. That's my uh, that's my head cannon. I like it. I like it. Mike's still frozen. <laughs> so. Uh... I'll go like I'm not super good at this part, but I had the whole, you know, and again, I didn't want to spoil it going through. But my idea is we get to the end of the newest movie um, and 
it's a knockdown, drag out Mortal Kombat fest between Lori and him, right? Because right. no one else can kick his ass but Lori. So they get down to the end, and they're both gonna classic ending. They're both gonna die. They right. killed each other. Both gonna die. So she rolls over and takes his mask off, and she's like, "Why, Michael?" And he's like, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> and like we realize that this entire time, he's never gave a shit about her. Doesn't <laughs> care about Lori Strode. All he cares about is he's an evil animal. Like right. I said, he needs he needs his <laughs> his his habitat, his den, and he needs it to migrate to where he's comfortable. Right. So every time this evil animal breaks out or gets free or whatever, he goes to his migrates to where he lives, which is Haddonfield. Right. He goes to his den, which is his parents' house. Right. And he goes out and hunts, but he doesn't eat when he hunts. He just kills because he's evil. All right. he wants to do, and to me. The Mortal Kombat scene in Halloween Kills only proves this. He has right. nothing to gain. He just wants to kill all those people. And it's like, din -it, din -it, din -it, din -it. like here we go. Like <laughs> This is his Con Air moment. He gets to kill all these people and have fun. Because that's all he cares about. He never cared about Laurie Strode. They fucking took him to her house right. in yeah. Halloween Kills. That's true. Like, he never, he only cares about Haddonfield. He only cares about his parents' house. He doesn't remember that baby. I mean, people are like, you know, like, oh, the baby's her and all that. Sure, he's not going to kill. He doesn't kill babies anyway. He didn't kill her in the beginning. You know, why didn't he kill her? Why did he save her? If you've seen any of the eight, whatever, ten movies, he's had chances to kill babies. He never does. So the one thing he doesn't kill, and maybe that's something behind it, he's a baby at heart because he's so mature. Right. Or, or there's, he's got or such there's a small just, animal brain. Or there's not a challenge there with the baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> one to beg for their life i guess <laughs> right. but so that's my thing is just like and she dies being like he never even knew i wasted my whole life right. running from something that he didn't even know who i was and if the doctor and the cop never brought him out to her house he would have stayed in haddonfield and the haddonfield community thing would have happened and they would have taken him down and Lori would have lived her life normal right um but in the end she finds out he never even cared about right. why who she was and where she were. And, and that would make sense with where David and, and Carpenter are all going. Yeah, I like that. I think that's kind of what they're trying to prove. But I, I think there would be nothing that would make me laugh more than at the end. Her just want, We're all wanting an answer. And the answer is, there's no, I'm just evil. Like, I'm just an evil. You know, some of those serial killers will tell you very prolifically in those old interviews, like, if you let me out of here, I'm killing a bunch of people. Because right. that's what I do. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, I just can speak. This dude can't speak. I mean, yeah. he's literally like a mute, evil animal. So, yeah. there's mine. <laughs> yeah, playing GTA. And then... Uh... <laughs> that cracked me up. <laughs> and so, Mike, Mike messaged me. Uh, so he got, Mike got booted out, but it's fine. We're at the end here. But he said, uh, his headcanon, he was like, say something about my headcanon being a movie called Easter with Jesus as the shape. That's, that's Mike's headcanon. <laughs> that's so good. He rolls out like every Easter, they see that the tomb is open. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit. Oh, no, <laughs> not again. <laughs> and It'd she... be some pretty like version of the Halloween theme song though, because it's Easter. So it'd yeah. be like, da -da like peter cottontail up to the forest version yeah. but that's who saves them all like yeah. cottontail is is loomis mm. and he's like listen we got to get these eggs we got to hide these eggs when the kids find the eggs that's how the shape can't get them <laughs> you know if you throw the eggs at the shape he cannot 
bring you over to his side. <laughs> right. He gets distracted. He just goes yeah. he, like he just goes on an Easter egg hunt, and that's how you yeah. that's how you lure him away. <laughs> right, right. And that's why we never talk about the two in the same sentence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like Beetlejuice. If you say if you say his name three times, I'll come back. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely nice. All right. Well, I want to I want to wrap up here. I want to be um I got to get get going, but um I want to give you a minute to plug your stuff and let me know when um, uh, a star is Lorne. And, and you know, I'll probably let this episode release. I'll probably have it jump the line a little bit to whenever okay. whenever our next episode. Because Brent and I did an episode with you guys. You already released, released the Coneheads. And then we also did A Night at the Roxbury. So, Which I think right now the next one to come out is Stuart Smalley. So okay. if you want to look in what order those are, I think there's what would be after Smalley before Night at the Roxbury. Night at the Roxbury may be the next one after that. Okay, and you're and you're releasing those every week, right? I think he's doing it every week or every two weeks. Okay, okay. Well, I'll try, probably try. And just for everybody listening, will, will you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So last year during the pandemic, um, Mike. Um, who was on the show here with us um, and myself, we used to do a podcast called Yammerhead and we wanted to start doing a podcast again. So we started doing, uh, watching SNL movies and, and the criteria was movies that were based on skits from SNL. So that, that kind of narrows it down a little bit. And we did them in chronological order, um, varying degrees of, you know, comedy, drama, silliness. Um, I think one of the quotes from your guys' episode is when we watched this, we thought, dude, Mike and JR not like us <laughs> because the movie was so bad. Um, but yeah, and, and we had our friends on, including the, the guys here from, from, um, Head Cannon and, and Danger Explosion. Brent Corey been on um, a few times now, and, and and it's fun. We talk through the movie. There's no no pretense. We we straight up talk right through scene by scene of uh-huh. the movie and what we thought about it. Um, so if you have seen the movie and you like one, look for those episodes. Again, I was I think they're about every once every week, every two weeks because there's only a limited number of those, um, and we're re- releasing those. It's called A Star Is Lorn. Um, fun theme song on that one as well. Yeah. And then Mike good. and I are also doing um, records that um, are celebrating 50 years. It's kind of Mike's deal. I'm on most of the episodes, but it's called Half a Cinch, like Half a Century. Um, love to have you guys on that. Um, there's still some records left this year. I, I have a feeling we'll probably go into 73 and do the, do it again next year because it's been a lot of fun and a lot of our friends who aren't usually on the podcast are willing to come on and talk music, we found. Okay. Um, and you can get people talking about some of their favorite albums. I mean, there's some great albums in 72, 73 that, you know, we've, we all listen to um, till now. So, I mean, I, we got to do Harvest by Neil Young, I mean, Jimmy Smith, um, you know, Exile Main Street by Ro- Rolling Stones. So some classic records. Uh, that comes out every Monday, I believe. Um, it's called Half a Cinch, and it's on. Both of those are on Spotify, all those fun things, whichever yeah. lesser evil you want to give your money to <laughs> uh, for those. Yeah, anywhere um, you can find a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure Mike has them on Anchor and shit like that. But, you know, I, I do Spotify myself, whether I, you know, that's a good thing or not. Um, but they're both out there, so check them out, both free and a lot of good comedians and stuff like that. Um, I finally got some music news. So um, Archie Char released their record. Um, it's on all the, the streaming services as well, self-titled Architect Char. 
um, Instagram's at Arctic Jar Band. Um, depending on when this comes out, it may be after. We, we are playing a show at the Bishop in Bloomington, Indiana, with Belta Lauda, um, May 26th. So that's a few weeks ahead. This may come out after that, which is fine. But look for shows from us now that we have the record out. Go listen to the record. Check it out. Uh, I think it's a free download on Bandcamp if you want it to. They're a little bit less evil if you want to go over there. It's kind of a pain in the ass to download it, but it's free. So uh, just name your price and make the price zero. We're working on our four-song EP. We're doing it ourselves, so it won't take as long as time. I already have two of the drums tracked, three of the songs tracked on drums. So I have one more song to track this week, and then we do bass, guitar, and, and singing, and then that'll be out probably this year. Um, uh I'm playing in a band called Super Foolins I talked about on here. Uh, we played a show at the Orbit Room this week, packed house, really good time. So look for some shows from that. It's at Super Foolins on Instagram. Um, and my daughter man stuff, my solo stuff, man, uh, 6622 is the release date. So part dude is uh, <laughs> what it's called. So, um, yeah, I got some. It's not just me this time. We got a lot of different people, and the guy you just heard, Mike, is on our last. He's on my last track um, to to get done. So once he's recorded, that'll be out um, the sixth of June. And um, excited, a lot of stuff happening, and it's, it's, it's great to have me on, man. Thanks for letting me have dibs on this franchise. It's a heavy one. No, no, appreciate you bringing it. Yeah, and it's one we haven't done yet, and we haven't really done. We did scream, and then we also did Freddy versus Jason, but this is the first. This is like the only other slasher movie we've done, so it's is good to glad we got the it spider web. The spider web of them, they get messy. It's like Texas Chainsaw's nice, but dude, there's like ten of them. Yeah, and they're all like none of the directors of any of them agree with each other, and right. they'd all take left turns and right turns. I mean, it's just it's just wild, and it's same with Friday, same with Nightmare. I mean, they're all over the place. Yeah. Um, but it, this was good. You know, this is a classic. It's undeniable, you know, how influential it was. So there's a lot of stinkers within its, you know, canon as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, and maybe I'll uh, grab, like put an Arctic char track or something at the end of this episode. So people yeah, can check great. that out, give a little sample. So appreciate that, man. Yeah. No worries. All right. Well, thank you again. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Head Cannon. Yeah! <laughs>